Welcome to Below the Fold, the most honest and raw digital marketing podcast around. It's good to be back. Coming back with a bang. I might be hiring someone to speak for me. So you think you're an SEO ninja, eh? That was just my little fantasy in the back of my head. Here's the tip. Oh, I know the tip. Are you the one who told me the tip? I need you to come up with 50 business ideas. I'll be back in two hours. I think I need a new title. Hello and welcome to another episode of Below the Fold. This show is for marketers, startups, and anyone else wanting to know the ins and outs, the ups and downs of digital marketing. My name is Jacob Perry. I'm joined by Brandon Hassler and Derek Turley. This week in the hot seat, we've got Scott Schwab. Thanks for coming on the show, Scott. Thank you. So we're going to open, as always, with a couple of current events. I'm going to pass the reins over to Brandon. We'll talk through some stuff and then get back to you, Scott. Great. All righty, guys. So first thing is first, Facebook stories. I know we've talked about this before, but it seems like they're rolling it out. I just got it a couple days ago, I believe, on my account. You guys? Nope. Uh, actually, I just saw it on my mobile today, but it didn't register as being new. Oh, because you're used to like Instagram? Yeah, I think Yeah, I think when so. When I first got on, I'm like, oh, I meant to go to Instagram. Oh, I closed really? out of it, and then I clicked on Facebook again, and then it was the same thing. I'm like, oh, I'm on Facebook. So well, there I you go. that was interesting. When, but when did it get, when did it go out today? I had it like a few days ago. I okay. think it's just been a slow rollout. I, I'm not on Facebook en- enough to know like the specific time that it would have. When you on, on, when you are on Facebook, are you usually on mobile or desktop? Always mobile. Always well, I shouldn't say that. 90% mobile. All right. Um, so well, I would hang, ask hang you on, hang on, what hang your on. thoughts were. On Facebook Live? Facebook Stories. Oh, yeah. Sorry. It's not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Facebook Live is different. So uh, I've never done a live story before. Sorry, a story. <laughs> I keep putting live in there. I've never done a story, Instagram or uh, Facebook. Snapchat? Uh, I, I have done snaps. Yeah. All right. Well, on one day, I did like three snaps and that was the, the extent of my snapping. You already know how to use it then. Oh, well, there you go. It's a direct ripoff. So are, are you on Instagram, Scott? I am. Derek, you're on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. Um, I've never seen, uh, I don't know if I follow you, but, oh, uh, I don't know. I'll have to check that out. We'll, we'll have to, there's not all to see. Yeah. Um, I know Brandon, he is, he is, uh, he loves Instagram stories and <laughs> I imagine Facebook stories are going to be, I don't know. It's tough. Like, well, so I, I, I mean, we talked about this before, like, I still don't quite understand why, they're doing like the same feature on both products. I get it. They're both Facebook own, owned, but this one's definitely more Snapchat like where you have like the facial fi- uh, the filters filters and stuff like that. That's not on Instagram. Um, but the frustrating part is like something cool is happening and you need to capture it on a story. Maybe you're at lunch and then some, you know, hero of yours walks in. You're like, oh, check it out. Look who I'm with. Do you do it on Facebook? Do you do it on Snapchat? Do you do it on Instagram? I've already been in the mentality of I haven't really just, I mean, I even have Snapchat installed on my phone right now. That's how disconnected I am from it. So everything's been Instagram stories. Uh, but now you got Facebook, which I realize has a much bigger network. But at the same time, my reach on Facebook is very small compared to your reach on Instagram. Yeah. So like yeah. when I did, a, I did a story at the same time uh, on both Facebook. Facebook, I got, I think, five people watched it. And then Instagram, I usually get like around 200 people that watch the stories. So 200 people or 200 views people. It just counts. It doesn't show how many times they actually looked at it. Just oh, says really? who oh, has oh, seen it. Oh, hmm. 
Which is kind of nice. Like, you always want to know, like, if, who's seen your photos. Like, did Jacob see that uh, video of my cute little baby? I just need to know that he has seen it. And I can go in and I'm like, okay, Jacob saw it. I can sleep tonight. I <laughs> wrote a script that automatically watches your videos regardless of whether uh, or not I actually it. saw them. I had a hunch. Hmm. No, I, 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 see, I see. I follow, like, 100 people. No, I, I'm sorry. I follow, like... 30 people. So catching up on Instagram is very easy for me. I got you. Scott, do you do uh, Instagram stories? Don't. No? Yeah, me neither. Derek? No. Hmm. It's that simple. (laughs) All right. So I just found out that that story is actually not that interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Well, next story, which probably isn't uh, that interesting either, is I just saw a report that came out. It's a recent hiring report uh, basically showing that the demand for marketers has exceeded the supply of marketers, which is a good thing for people in the digital marketing industry. So if you're looking for a a hot tech job, obviously code's up there, but I think marketing is another great career that you can hop into without having to know rocket science. Okay. So you read the article. Uh Uh-huh. Are they saying that just recently that just happened? They're just saying this recent report, which they pulled over 300 directors, VPs, C-level execs, hiring managers, focusing on the issues and trends that they need and whatnot. So it kind of breaks it down, digital advertising, content creation, and uh, yeah, all like the SEO, email, social, content strategy. That's the stuff where they have more, it sounds like there's more positions than there are people to apply for those positions. Mm, So I don't buy it. You don't buy it? No way. I don't buy that. Well, here's the so it, it may be true if if they're talking about people they want to hire, right? Like we're not finding people we want to hire, uh, but that that's different than than not having a pool to to pull from. And it's also saying, I guess the the asterisk on this is mid level marketers supply. So hey, there we go. This is on uh, thedrum dot com, which I don't know if this is fake news or not. Facebook or Google hasn't told me so. Oh boy! So don't even I'm going to believe it now. Haven't checked Snopes yet, though. Okay, so so <laughs> the the gist of it is, if you're looking to get into a career, marketing is a good one to get into. And if you're in the career, go ask your boss for a raise. If you work for Jacob Perry, hit him up tomorrow. Yep, yep. Fortunately, nobody I know <laughs> listens to this. Just kidding. <laughs> okay, so that's the current events. Um, let's uh, let's dive into our guest, Scott. Are you ready for this? I am. So why don't you take uh, 30 to 60 seconds to tell us who you are and what you do. Okay. My name is Scott Schwab, and uh, I'm an entrepreneur. And uh, some of the biggest things that I'm involved in are the ed tech space, and specifically education from a certification standpoint. So as opposed to doing the traditional uh, degree, we look at doing certifications so people can get to work, learn from the industry, learn from other professionals, and have more of a collaborative life learning type of an approach as opposed to, okay, I'm going to get in and I'm going to spend X amount of time in a seat and then go into industry. Um, We love the idea of continually learning and continually um, sharpening the tools. So So is it it online or do you do like in-classroom setting type stuff? uh, Great question. It's actually both. So we've got two options, um, one that would be a full-time option in person, and then one that's a full-time person remote, and then a third option that would be for a part-time. And what, what are the 
what are the subjects that people can choose from? So right now we're really focusing on full stack development. So, so a person comes in and they learn HTML5, C, uh, Java, CSS, and then uh, they on the backside we teach them Ruby on Rails and uh, uh, Git and Heroku and different things that will kind of tie in that language from front end to back end. And what market are you in? Like we're what? Software, software education. So software education and where, like what, I get that online they could do it anywhere, but where where would people have to go if they want to go get the, the classroom setting experience? Yeah, we're located in Thanksgiving Point. Is that, and that's the only location you have so far? Currently, we just got approved down in Arizona as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. So I imagine, um, so Brandon, for example, Brandon has Market Campus, which is a, which is the same thing, right? It's both online and uh, classroom. Are you, are you in session right now? Not right now. This just got a little awkward, by the way. I feel like there's competitors in this room. No, these two are not competitors. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon does not teach code. Uh, and you don't, as far as I know, you don't do digital marketing, right? We don't. It's not a digital marketing. So it sounds like maybe more of a partnership. The happy, hey, there's a happy, marriage. Yeah, here. there we go. Yeah, uh, I like that. The <laughs> or, is half or, or, or at least a referral program. Um, what, uh, what problems or issues have you run into? Like, uh, how long have you been around? Uh, what barriers have you run into? How have you gotten past those barriers? Kind of, kind of give us a scoop because coding is pretty competitive, especially in Utah. There are a handful of, of other coding boot camps out there. How do you compete with them? And and uh, I don't know. I, I'm probably asking way too many questions all at once, but no, I, I get the gist. Um, so we took a different path. We went through the accreditation process back in 2010. That allowed us to gain a post secondary accreditation. That was important to us because we wanted to differentiate ourselves from our competition. Uh, accreditation is a validation um, that essentially regulates the way that you teach, the way that you hold students accountable, and the way that you progress them towards outcomes. And so rather than just looking at the opportunity of, hey, there's a shortage in the market, we're going to put together some content and deliver people to the, the market, we looked at it from, okay, what's the outcome that we want them to have? We don't th- want them to just serve a need. We want them to actually be lifelong learners and progress. So when we looked into the coding space, being that we own a dev shop as well as a sister company to Bottega, um, w- we started looking at it from both the industry and the education standpoint. By doing that, it allowed us to look at what the outcome would be, which if you're going to get into software development, you want to be the best that you can be, which would be more of a senior-level talent. And so we were contracted by a university to write a two-year degree, um, both in CS and IT. So that gave us the length of, okay, for a person to obtain the top of their industry, they need to be able to do these things. And then we started backwards. And so for the boot camp, we give them more of a mathematical approach, more of an engineering approach, so that we can really build that barrier of, hey, this is the best education for the 12 weeks that we're offering. And don't just stop there. Keep going, because 12 weeks truly isn't enough. It gives you a great foundation, but you have to continue. Mm -hmm. So our our barriers uh, that we've tried to create for other competitors is the accreditation itself the curriculum, and then the dynamic online asynchronous learning. Hmm. So has the accreditation helped? Because I, I, I look at companies like Dev Mountain, mm-hmm. who is, they're probably the fastest growing coding boot camp in Utah, mm-hmm. and they're not accredited. Correct. Right? 
Um, but it doesn't seem like that was a barrier to them. No. Right. So, so, um, from, from a competition standpoint, uh, you kind of mentioned that as, as something that sets you apart. Um, in what ways does it set you apart? Cause I imagine students, is that something they look at and they're like, I care that it, that they're accredited or they just like, I don't care. I just need the knowledge so I can go get a job. You'll actually get both types of students and Dev Mountain's done a fantastic job. They entered the market about three, three and a half years ago. Yeah. And so it's a different market. I mean, at that point, 4% of the people entering into development jobs were coming out of boot camps. Mm. Now it's 27. And so we could have looked at it, hey, let's rush to the market. Let's put out a, a content or a curriculum that will allow people to get to industry. But we've also seen a shift from employers who say, hey, you know what? I don't know how qualified your boot camp grads are. We want CS degrees. We want IT degrees. We want more uh, length and time in the industry. And so what we've tried to do is stack our accreditation up against the short-term mindset because we really want these students learning for a longer length of time, not just the 12 weeks. And accreditation has allowed us to do that because we protect, I guess, the... um, the curriculum in such a way that it's not just based on, hey, you've got a 12-week boot camp and that's it. Mm-hmm. Because when you look at any other boot camp across the nation, it's 12, 15, maybe 24 weeks. Yeah. But that's their curriculum. That's their specialty where we're a curriculum company is what we think of ourselves as so that we can actually look at, okay, for you to get to the ultimate point within your career it's going to take you two years, three years, and beyond. And so you need curriculum to go with you on that journey. Hmm. Uh, as, I, as I think about, I'm, I'm hearing, I think I hear what you're saying. It seems like uh, companies like Dev Mountain and other boot camps who have kind of the 12, 15, 24, whatever week um, curriculum, it seems like their focus is on the student, right? That's the value prop. You can come here for 12 weeks. After 12 weeks, job placement. You go get a job. Um, and it sounds like your focus is more on the employer. You're trying to prepare students in a way that prepares them better. Uh, and that's where, that's kind of where the, the focus is, is on preparing the, the students for the employers rather than preparing the students for the students sake. Is that, is that semi-accurate? Yeah, that's very accurate. Okay. I think you'll win, you'll, uh, win long-term when you're focusing on what the industry needs through the employer. Because at any time, if the students come out with a specific set of qualities and or skills, if the market shifts or if employers have to really look at like the bottom line of, okay, does this person have the ability to grow? Are they lifelong learners? I think that's when you'll see a shift towards how educated is this person. And really, we try to root everything we do in education. Hmm. That's awesome. Does it affect the cost at all, being accredited? Like, do you have to charge more? Like, is there a cost associated with that? There is a cost. We have a yearly cost to make sure that we maintain our accreditation. And then every five years we do an external review. And so there is a cost. Uh, I I wouldn't say it's necessarily reflected um, apples to apples, but we are are a higher cost than uh, Dev Mountain and Dev Point Labs locally. Uh, Nationwide, it's a $13,500 class. And so we're below uh, the national average. Okay. So that's great. How have you like been able to build like so like when Market Campus started? I think any new program faces it, <clears throat> regardless of how good your curriculum is and your training. You still kind of have to build that credibility with the employers. So someone comes out, 
They've got the skills. They're sitting in the interview. It's like, okay, tell me about yourself. Oh, I went to this school. And they're like, what the hell? Like, never heard of this place. How do you go about, like, building that credibility? Because you spend a lot of time, obviously, marketing, bringing in students. But I feel like you also have to spend time marketing yourself to the businesses so that they know who you are. What's that process been like? Yeah, great question. I, I think where we've gained our credibility is because we build apps, we build software currently, and uh, some of our uh, employees have obviously been hired away, which I think any Utah company can mm-hmm. <laughs> can uh, associate with that pain. But what we were finding is that each of the uh, developers who left us were getting paid fifty to sometimes even a hundred thousand more than we were paying them, and. It's amazing because the market conditions that exist right now is kind of more of a, hey, we just need the top talented people and we'll take them from anywhere. And so understanding that need has allowed us to go to the market and to say, okay, there's a problem with wage disparity, number Mm -hmm. one, and we understand what skills need to be had. But really, if you get somebody with a strong foundation, with a a good desire to learn, you can help them become whatever they want to become. I I truly believe that. So Mm -hmm. through training, and if your curriculum goes deeper than just the foundational principles of what full stack development is, you really can get that person within a year to be a mid-level developer, truly. Because they have the desire, and once they've learned that, like, let's just say they learn any language, Python or PHP, they're set to be ready to learn more languages and more uh, best practices when it comes to integrations and APIs and how they do things. And so being in a dev shop, and that's one of the things we do provide for our students, is kind of that apprenticeship model to where our students are working every day uh, with our developers. They have a question, they come and ask our developers. And so that's given us some notoriety Mm -hmm. when we've gone to place our students, especially with companies who are now looking to transition into hiring a staff or a uh, a development team in-house. Like we may have done their website or we may have done uh, an app for them, but now they're looking for somebody to manage it. And so our students, whom sometimes will work with us in an apprenticeship or an internship, we can send them into that company. And so that's been very successful to this point. Okay. What do you think the biggest problem in education is? General question, but... Yeah, no, I I like the question, and I think it's time. Uh, I think the time that it takes for somebody to validate learning is only hurting the students. Now, granted, I don't believe that education is linear, Like sometimes we think, okay, you start here and you end here. But I wish that uh, we could all have a system that wasn't time in the seat, Mm -hmm. you know, because if you go to, say, a local university down the street and you want to go up north, you're going to lose quite a bit of credits just because the schools look at their brand and their classes differently Mm -hmm. when it shouldn't penalize the student. The student, if the if the competency was gained, those credits should follow them wherever they go. And extend that to badges or modules, MOOC learning. I love the concept of being able to say, okay, I've taken or I've watched these videos. Test me. Mm-hmm. Let, let me show competency. Stack those modules to eventually add up to something that's certifiable. And I believe that that's what needs to change in education, but it's a component of time. Yeah. You mentioned MOOCs, which if you're listening and you've never heard that term before, 
massive open online courses, I believe is the yep. acronym, you know, so you have uh, Pluricites, uh, Linda, Udemy, all these different places, just with like online learning, especially, I don't have any hard data to back this up. Maybe you guys have seen this in your own just internet habits, but I feel like the internet has trained us to be very ADD and how we learn. We, uh, you know, I think more people, people tend to read headlines instead of the entire article. They skip around a YouTube video when they're trying to learn how to do something because they don't want to, they're just like, ah, oh, I don't want to listen to this. Show me exactly where I'm supposed to stick the screwdriver and, and which wire is it, whatever it is. And I have seen just in my own back end with Market Campus in terms of the online stuff that students tend to be very ADD in their learning. And so there's a, when you think about self, self-paced learning in general, it sounds really good, but that's always been one of the big complaints. And that's usually why the drop-off rate is so high with online learning is because it takes a ton of self-discipline that people don't have. Have you noticed that? And if so, how have you tried at least to combat that or, or fix that problem? Yeah, Brandon, great question. I, I think the way that you fix that is you make it available on any device. I think that part of the problem is that we're such an ADD society where we're looking at everything mobily. But what if all those mobile sites or those mobile insights, we'll call them, um, added to something that was in a platform? So essentially you could go back and when you're on your tablet, you can see what you started and tie that to an LMS where you're going to have the reporting and analytics, and now you start building something that's taking me back to something, mm-hmm. you know? And, and if I had an expectation where learning could happen anywhere, but it all kind of flows into one place, I think that that's how we can, can change or combat that idea of like, hey, I'm never going to complete this article, or I'm never going to complete this assignment, when it's available on every device, I think people are more willing to go back to what they were learning if we can make it enjoyable. If we can't, then you know they are going to drop off. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Yeah. Let's let's take a quick little break to shame Derek for his lack of con- contribution to oh, this I'm episode. Just, no, I, I was waiting for the right end because if people were here, the one thing I feel really <laughs> bad about is that they don't get to see that this isn't just a podcast, but this is... A free free admission to the gun show because Scott's <laughs> arms are huge <laughs> and they're so good looking and I've been in awe. My my arms register as fingers. Yeah, and next, so, next to Scott's arms. But uh, I know I I was actually going to ask. It's kind of a, a different angle, but with Bottega and with what you do, because I know Scott personally. I think he's a great guy. I really do. He's a wonderful guy, good friend. Um. Um, with all that you've done with being an entrepreneur, and let's just focus on Bottega, what is Bottega doing to get students through the door? Uh, you talked a little bit about how you guys are differentiated, but let's go to just the marketing side. Um, what messages are you communicating? How are you guys getting people in the door? What's your reach to um, a domestic play? Like, uh, who do you have just online? How many butts and seats do you have? Because I know what you could do at, at Bottega from what we've talked about where you're, uh, you're helping the employers fulfill a need, and I think that's ingenious. Um, but, yeah, how, what are you guys doing to market and, and to gain some traction? Yeah, great question. I, I think the way that we've differentiated ourselves in the marketing is having an online program that's available. Because when you look at the majority of boot camps, uh, a lot of them don't have an online experience. And if they do, it's not asynchronous, which... 
again, just to explain asynchronous, it's the same curriculum that you would ex- expect in person or that you would receive in person. It's just at your own pace. And so you still have access to TAs. You still have access to the experience, which I tend to believe that we live in an experience economy. Mm-hmm. And so our students are signing up for a couple of reasons. One is the accreditation. And two is the validation that comes from um, our head curriculum uh, developer. And um, he, he's amazing. His name's Jordan Hudgens. He's out of the Phoenix area. But he's had over 40,000 students on Udemy and Udacity. He's one of the foremost in the world on Ruby on Rails. And just, he's such a bright man. And so when he's looking at like, or when we're looking at marketing what we have to offer, accreditation and curriculum are at the forefront of that. And then it, it kind of trickles down from there. What, we're, what are we doing to make it available anywhere? Um, you know, when we first started, it was only available on Macs. Well, mm-hmm. we made some adjustments to allow it to be available on any computer or any laptop. And those types of things we had to make early uh, as pivots so that truly anybody could partake in the, uh, in the learning and they could do it from anywhere. So then another part of this was with school. I go back to my UVU days, Utah Valley University, for those who don't know UVU. I don't know if anyone listens outside of the Valley. I'm a proud Wolverine. We're huge in India. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think we've been listened to in over 90 countries, actually. Oh, okay. There you go. Well, UVU, proud uh, Wolverine. Um, I know what I paid for my degree. I know what I, like, what I, I did one student loan and then thought, man, I do not want to graduate with this debt. So I made it a point to work through school to pay for it. Um, with the uh, Bottega University, if someone does come and wants to, to pay for or, or take your courses, do you guys offer financing? I mean, yeah. and how does that look? Yeah, great question. And we do. And and I also want to be clear, I don't think that it's a boot camp or a traditional CS degree. I, I think that you can really benefit from both. And the reason I say that is because um, some of the programs that are CS programs aren't getting their students into like the meat of what they're learning until year two or three. I mean, you'll sprinkle in some of those classes year, run, year one. But ultimately, the thought that I had in a perfect world is you could take a boot camp and you do that like year one out of high school. Maybe you're pivoting into a new industry, you're retooling, whatever it might be, right? But you learn those competencies to go out to market and you start working. But because of your love for learning, you actually go back. And whether it's an online program, whether you go to UVU, wherever you go, right? But you're learning those managerial and theory concepts that will actually help you get to that next level with Mm -hmm. management and opportunity because there is still some sense of traditional universities that, you know, have really left an imprint on employers who say, hey, we need a CS degree or we need a degree. And, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, however you look at it, in an ideal world, there's room for both. So I want to kind of talk about that a little bit. Because I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around that. As I imagine a high school student leaving and going directly to a boot camp, that sounds great. Like, that sounds like the perfect idea. As soon as they're done with the boot camp, they then have this marketable skill and they can go get a job. I can't think about someone who would actually go back to school and start as a freshman and have to go through the generals. In what world would that actually happen or work out? Are are you kind of talking like theoretical, this is kind of how it should be? 
Because like in the world I live in, I can't imagine that happening. No, you're right. And and also because of the wages that they're going to be making. Yeah. Why would you go back to school when you're making fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 and above, you know, being able to be in the industry that you want to be yeah. in and learning from experts and subject matter experts? And I, I agree with you. Theoretically um, or philosophically, I would love to see that exist to where someone doesn't have to start over yeah. that time clock. So, no, you're right on. I, I would love to see something else exist to where you can get some finishing courses or some finishing philosophy um, to where somebody can jump forward. And that's one thing that I will uh, touch on just because it's a great question is articulation agreements exist for great transitions. So, for instance, uh, we've put everything that we do in Carnegie units. So our class is 600 hours or 15 credits at a university that will accept that content. So one that we have a relationship with is New Charter University up in Salt Lake. And they will accept 15 credits of our boot camp into their core bachelor program. And so that's... That's, that's actually pretty cool. So that that right there seems like a, a more powerful uh, kind of value proposition. Because uh, yeah. Dev Mountain, you go to Dev Mountain, and I imagine zero credits would ever get transferred to any other school. So you're, you're left without that flexibility of, of continuing that education and, and kind of getting that jump start. so you're not starting over. Random follow-up, and then we can go, just a quick question. Of the students that are graduating and getting hired, I would assume most of them are here in Utah. Uh, do you have like a, or have you seen like an average salary that students can usually expect of, <clears throat> sorry, I got something in my throat this whole show. <laughs> you're going to throw up all over it? <laughs> Looked like it, huh? <laughs> I don't know what it is. Um, but yeah, it, what's like the average salary that someone could expect of going from zero to through the boot camp, graduating, getting a job? Our data is showing us fifty. Okay, so is that is that? Do you put that in your marketing material? Uh, yeah, we do. We speak to it because in Utah, you're going to have a different wage than if you're out in San Francisco or New yeah. York, obviously. And so, national average is sixty-five. So yeah, okay. how do you combat that with? Because you have these San Francisco programs, New York City. And they advertise high salaries, which is for their grads, for their local stuff. Yeah, right? and but people don't necessarily take in like costs of living and stuff like that. So right. they look at this program and they say, "Well, why would I go to Bottega when uh, General Assembly, who's a who's a big player, yep. they're saying I can make ninety five thousand dollars?" <laughs> how have you had that like concern brought up? Yeah. with potential students, and how do you address that? Yeah, it's a great question, and uh, you know we all market probably a little bit similar in that we're trying to win the student's attention. And mm-hmm. uh, a good way to do that is through wages. Um, w- one of the neat things that's kind of come out of the industry that's just on its way down the pipeline is it's called the CIRR. It's an association to actually track boot camp placement and the factuality of what they're being paid. And so I believe that it's going to really... So they're policing is what you're saying. Yeah, it's really going to start kind of uh, narrowing that gap of what truly placement is and then also what payment is as as students are in some circumstances being misled into programs that aren't delivering on the backside of that. If if you're not misleading people as a marketer, you're not doing your job. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Um, so this actually, this actually sounds like a, an interactive opportunity where someone comes to a landing page and you basically say, "Where do you want to get a job?" They put the city in, and then you you have an output an output yeah. of uh, a dollar figure that you just kind of adjust to you know cost of like you know, whatever. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. Kind of like a uh, loan calculator yeah. or mortgage yeah. calculator. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love totally. it. Great uh, idea. Yeah, so you can... Um, take that? Yeah, you can take that to the <laughs> bank. Um, You're welcome. I'll send you my address you. For, the, for the royalties. Wonderful. So I remember what I was going to actually say, because it's what you mentioned. You own a boot camp company. Mm-hmm. But you are saying that uh, it's okay. Like it's it's not an uh, an either or. It's uh it, it can be an and right. You can do a boot camp and go to college. Yeah. And uh, people are going to start to think this that this is an educational podcast because we've had this conversation. This is probably the number one topic that comes up on our show, and that is boot camps versus uh, regular colleges. Uh, early on, we were very hyper focused and. Boot camps, mm-hmm. right? Because, I mean, Brandon owns a boot camp. I, I, I mean, I went to school, and I know that my degree helped me. But I don't. I think every single year, my degree gets less valuable. Yeah. I, I feel that. But then just a few weeks ago, I don't know how, maybe a month ago, we, we brought on a university uh, marketing professor, and we wanted to get, we, want, we, we knew that we were biased. So we thought, let's get someone from the other side who could kind of argue that point and tell us why college is better. How well do you think you did, Brandon? Uh, not as well as I hope. <laughs> Speaking I, truthfully. I, I think he came in and convinced Brandon that boot camps were even better <laughs> than he had originally thought. And I went in insanely open-minded, like legitimately. Like, I'm like, okay, I, I see the benefits, and I still do. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I think we may have talked to someone who's not on the, the digital, super, side. digital, dig, digital side, and that's, I think, there was a miscommunication because... He seemed to be talking big picture. Yeah. I feel like in general, whether it's code or marketing or, or whatever, colleges tend to prep you for the C-level position. And they don't necessarily prep you for the guy who's getting an entry level and just getting their hands dirty, whether that is in code or marketing or whatnot. And that's kind of been like with a program like Bottega or Dev Mountain or these different places. They're just teaching you the skills that you need right off the bat to like get the job, start designing, start building, and then you can grow within your career. Whereas colleges tend to skip that stage and they start to focus on, you need to know how to read these types of reports and uh, create this and communicate that. And those are important things, but I feel like more often than not, you learn those throughout your career just naturally. uh, And you, you kind of miss out on those hands-on skills that boot camps or alternative learning tends to focus on. My problem side with, rant. Yeah. <laughs> While we're on side rant. <laughs> my biggest problem with traditional college is if you want to be an English teacher, like I mean, I don't know who would want to do that, but you know, there are people out there and you, you need them. Uh traditional colleges are telling them, Oh, you want to be an English teacher? That's great. You need to know imaginary numbers. Right? And and that makes no sense to me. So that's that's why I think boot camps are cool, right? Because someone can say, and, and obviously boot camps are you can't go through like a an MD boot camp and and become a surgeon in twelve weeks. So obviously there are Yet. some more, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so there are some more industry specific um, professions that require more schooling. But thinking of something like coding, where yeah, I get that years and years of experience kind of give you that instinctual coding. I don't even know. I'm not a coder, but uh, I imagine that happens, but you know, you 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 give you give twelve weeks of full time uh, coding experience to somebody, and I imagine that they uh, that they can do some damage, right? They, like they could go build a website, yeah, right. So anyway, um, 
I brought this whole thing up just to say I appreciate that you can see both sides of the the fence on such a polarizing um, this uh, topic because we've never had we've always had one person who's just like full blown boot camp and one person who's just full blown college because Paxton at one time actually we, we've never gotten Derek's opinion on this I know Paxton he's kind of a hardcore traditional college guy not that he like knocks on boot camps but um, he sees it as like a he's going to listen to this so I've got a I've got a, I think I like I think I'm with Paxton I think I'm with Paxton where you think traditional is more important. Well, it's because of the world I live in. Perspective is reality, right? Well, tell me so what your perspective, my perspective is. Perspective that forms my reality is, I think that uh, companies that I've found myself in one now um, after a long hiatus value a degree, um, and they vow because that's just traditional, right? And it's not that boot camps are bad because I think there has to be a paradigm shift. It has to be, <clears throat> it has to be where I think of Bottega. And I think of Dev Mountain, and I'm and I can see some certification from them, and respect that certification just the way I would for seeing somebody come from the U of U's um, bachelor's of, of business degree, right, or or whatever. So, so you would you would put more weight on a UVU degree than on a, uh, a certificate from some boot camp? Well, right now it's just strength in numbers. I mean, how many people have graduated from UVU that are doing great things? We don't hear about the ones that aren't doing great things. That's just not the news. It's not newsworthy. But you do hear about the ones doing great things. Now, granted, the CEO, Todd Peterson with Vivint, you've got big, big names that drop out. Let's not, let's please, let's not talk about the outliers. But okay? well, you I can't know. talk so about I'm, the Steve I'm, Jobs. No, no, no. The I'm, world. What I'm getting at is that you hear the ones that drop out. I'm talking about those within our networks, who we talk to, who our family members are, who our neighbors are. Who of those have a degree? Now, Scott, you have a degree. I do. Brandon? No. I do not. I have a Market <laughs> Campus certification. See, I've got... <laughs> See, I I've want been, one of those. I've been certified. <laughs> and yeah. I've got a degree, but because it's, that's what I was wired to believe would be uh, insurance. You know, a rainy day comes and, and you need to provide in a certain way. I didn't really fall on that for the job that I have right now. I, I fell on experience, but... I can see the value of a degree over a certification. So, so when you when you're placing value on either a, certific, a certification or a degree, it has to do with uh, your ability to get a job, not necessarily the knowledge that you gain. Well, the knowledge that you've gained gives you the ability to get a job. No, no, definitely not. That is absolutely no way. untrue. You, I'm sorry, you can. There's no way, Jacob. We <laughs> when are going to fully when, disagree when on pe- this. When people, when people, first of all, when people look at a resume and see a degree, they have absolutely no idea what you know. They just know that you. I look at my degree. I got a, I got a strategic communication degree. Can you tell me what that means? But what, how, do, what do I know having a strategic communication do, degree from the University of Utah? How could you do what you do unless you knew what you knew? I didn't learn a single thing of digital marketing. <laughs> In college, I learned that it was all self-taught. Brandon and I started at the same company the same day, and we had to self-teach ourselves, and that is what I've built my... I haven't, I'm not saying I haven't gotten a job because of my degree, but that's not the argument here, because I do see value in a degree. Oh, having I, mis- more val- I misunderstood. Degrees have more value no, in I, getting a job, but not your knowledge, because no, people no, no, don't no. know what you I know. I misunderstood. Oh, okay. Here's, here's where my... <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not, and I'm not seceding, by the way. I have to make my point. <laughs> So, oh, okay, so you agree with me? So, All right, cool. <laughs> the, the, the part that I'm getting at is there's value in a degree because of what it perceives that you can do. You yes, can start something and finish it. I didn't learn jack crap for my degree. 
I, I didn't learn anything. In fact, I feel like I paid all of that money to UVU um, so I could have that insurance. It was more like a big insurance policy. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I side with Scott, well, all three of you, to say, yeah, if you can go and you can measure somebody's skill set and test them, even if it is in an ADD environment, because you guys know how college is. It's You go and you sit, it's butts and seats, time, and you test, and it it's just takes so long. But with you with uh, LinkedIn courses, just the certifications that I thought, hey, I'll try that out with HubSpot. Uh, to get email certified to say that, hey, this guy knows what he's doing with email, that took me like two days. But email's my background, and if somebody had no clue, they would have to take, I think, honestly, like three, four, five days to really dig deep, memorize it, take the test again, understand the concepts, and then uh, application's a whole different topic. But, yeah, I, I think that there's real value in not only teaching from a boot camp, but Scott provides the other part of that with Bottega, which is intriguing yeah. that they're putting them in a real-time environment, hiring for the employer or teaching for the employer and just a, a very different yeah. approach. Well, than so coming back to that, it, it is, I mean, that like it seems more altruistic to me, but it also seems like the employees aren't the ones paying you, right? So so Dev Mountain, who is who we've already established, is is their their model is for the student, they're focusing on the people who are paying them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, it, it seems like there's conflict in marketing, right? Like your your model is for employers, but you're trying to get the students to pay. Yeah, uh, it's a very fair question. And I think that every boot camp in America, every boot camp in the world is, is honestly missing out on an opportunity. We still get student dollars that fund their education, yeah. but eventually we'll get placement dollars. If we're so good at delivering students with an exact competency, employers will start giving us the money that they're paying to recruiters and staffers, or at least that's what we're thinking in our marketing. So they they send their current employees through your program is what you're saying? Correct. Okay. And yeah. or pay, pay us a 20% of first-year salary because we're delivering their exact needs. Like if you're looking into a market and you've got to take all of these resumes and sift through them and try to interview or... If you've hired one of the Bottega grads and they did so well, they were so well trained that you could look at the data of that. What does the data tell you? Well, they were this person, you know, this demographic, they learned these skills. Well, we can replicate that. And in our learning, you could do a a specific certification for like an Adobe or an MX or any of these companies that are like, that's what we need. And so if we can reverse engineer that experience of an employer hiring one of our students or one of our graduates, I believe that we can replicate that and then get dollars on the back end. So do you have current employers who are employers who are sending people through your boot camp? Not currently. Okay. Because I know, and, and this keeps popping into my head, and maybe this isn't a path we want to or need to go down, but Brandon with Market Campus, Market Campus is not an accredited uh, organization. Uh so if they are to market to students, and Brandon, I need you to pipe in here if, if I'm getting this wrong. If you wanted to market to students specifically, you get taxed as being a non-accredited institution. Is that right? Um, somewhat. But yeah, there's the Utah Post-Secondary School Act, which I'm sure you're familiar with. So, so as, I'm, as I'm thinking through a, an accredited organization and a non-accredited organization with that act or whatever – 
How does that affect you since you are accredited? Is that something that you bypass because of the accreditation? No, we still have to go through the process with the state to be recognized by the state. So we're a post-secondary approved state institution. So we go through both. So when we when Brandon talks about not being able to market to students because he'd have to pay that, uh, it, like how does that work? So we basically positioned ourselves because when Market Campus first started, um, very, I mean, heavily, the, the marketing was towards the people who are looking for a new career. You or, were competing against BYU and University yeah, of Yeah, I guess you could say that, you know, offering some type of alternative or, or fast path to, um, to that career. And then we were already kind of in the transition just because we, we kept seeing more and more entrepreneurs trink, trinkle into our course yeah. who didn't care about getting a job. They just wanted to learn today's, you know, latest and greatest and, and how to market to apply business. to their existing company yeah so so once we uh were notified by the state about that we're like okay well we were already kind of planning on switching so we're so we're exempt just because we've basically uh said that we're a non-vocational school so we you know everything really operates very very much the same it's just we don't advertise uh you know saying hey you can get a career where you can make this much or whatnot not necessarily position ourselves as a school so, so accreditation actually has nothing to do with it. Accreditation, right? I think, is separate from this. Okay, so, so you thing. have to do it because you do market to students. Correct. You're having to pay that tax. That correct? Does that like? Do you hate that? Because that's semi new, right? Um, you know, it's just another level of regulation. I don't like it. Um, by no means is it something that we enjoy to do. Um, but there is one way that you bypass the states, and it's really the protective agency that. Um, What's the age? Um, commerce, uh, the uh, consumer protection, oh, yeah. it's consumer protection side of the uh, Department of Commerce. But if you're a DOE approved, which is your Department of Education, you can bypass at least Utah's state um, post secondary registration because they accept that as oh, your Department of Education approved. Hmm. Here's my qualm with that: Department of Education was put in place to be able to give federal dollars. Title IV funding mm-hmm. for colleges, that's where DOE becomes so important. So the .edu's and everybody who's kind of in this long-standing relationship with the DOE, I believe it's more based on the recipients being able to receive grants. And there's no standardization different than what we have to go through in regulation than what a DOE school goes through yet we're treated very differently. Mm-hmm. And so we have to go through additional hoops so that we can be accredited. It's, it's that important to us. The backside of that is because people know that we are regionally accredited and we have gone through that process, schools are more willing to partner with us, like with articulation agreements and even revenue share agreements. So we create curriculum like we had talked about earlier. Schools are more willing to adapt that because they know what rigor we've gone through to make sure that it's quality curriculum. Hmm. Do you have um, an exit strategy? Are you looking to sell your company? Yeah, great question. I think with some of the um, signals that we have out there, I mean, Dev Point La- or excuse me, Dev Mountain was uh, acquired last year by uh, Capella University. Mm-hmm. And then you've got uh, Galvanized, who's another popular boot camp. They took on a Series B last year. Um, You even have Apollo Group, who's over the uh, University of Phoenix, who's a substantial investor into Flatiron out of New York. 
it's so interesting that those are all educational entities yeah. or colleges buying boot camps. Hmm. And I just think to myself, well, why is that even happening? Well, it's happening because some colleges at least will recognize the fact that they could have a flow possibly from boot camp into college. I, that's the only thing I can think of why Capella would have bought Dev Mountain. Well, I imagine I imagine they recognize uh, university isn't for everybody. We want right. to capture those people. I, yeah. I don't necessarily see it as we'll have a boot camp so they'll transition to, in, into our university. I think it's it's they're going to choose boot camp, so we want to get that money as well as the money Great from point. the students who are who are, who decide to go through. You know, I had never even heard of Capella University until that acquisition. Yeah. So uh, it's only online, though, isn't it? Yeah. Capella is only online, yeah. which is also interesting because now they're getting into the physical classroom space. Yep. Uh, and I think they, I think they like this. I think they discourage those companies from even going online. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's a great point. I, I mean, so to answer your question from an exit strategy, you bet. I, I think everybody has that price point where, you know, you're thinking, wow, that would be a lot of fun and we could exit and, yeah. you know, I'll go build a house by the Turleys and just uh, <laughs> enjoy a cabin up in wherever. But, I mean, to be honest with you, we're not building it to be bought. We're building it because I want a generational business and my partners are on the same page. Like, we want this to be something that is the change to education. Now, if somebody thinks that that's cool enough that they would buy it, yeah, great, let's do that. And So then, if, if someone came to you with some astronomical amount of money but wanted to change the the future of the company uh, to kind of go against your original goals, would that be a deal breaker? Non-compete or compete? I, <laughs> yeah, good could point. I sell good it question. and then go and start another? Uh, sure. We'll, yeah. we'll say no because yeah. odds are they'll say no. <laughs> so there is a non-compete in that scenario. Um, then no, because the business cash flows well, and so we don't need the money from just to, to get rich quick or yeah. get money into our bank accounts. It would be more like if you're shelving this or if you're going to fundamentally change it, then no. Hmm. Have you been approached by any buyers? No, we're not. We haven't. We To this point, we're all self-funded. We're just opening up to a seed round of you know some friends and family. So. Hmm. Cool. Any, uh, we're kind of coming close to the end of our time here. Does anybody have any follow-up uh, last-minute questions? Uh, I had one, uh, basically kind of going back to the marketing. Um, what has been the approach, or maybe it's been like a channel or a medium in terms of marketing that you thought was going to do really well that ended up just tanking. either tanking or just not doing as well? Like what's yeah. a lesson that you kind of learned in that marketing of the early stage. Absolutely. So um, one of my partners, he kind of comes from a background within marketing. And um, at first, we didn't know who our customer was. And so that was the biggest fatal flaw Mm -hmm. is you go out into Facebook land and Google and you buy these ads and you try to really make people, um, anybody and everybody, your customer. And that's just not realistic. Mm-hmm. There are certain specific people that this message really reaches, and it's people who are at a career that they're not necessarily enjoying. Perhaps their degree's not working for them. I mean, I won't mention any of those degrees, but there's things that are not getting people advanced mm-hmm. within their career. And it's not giving English, them... English degree. <laughs> 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 that could be one. <laughs> so that's the success that we're finding. But I think you'd be interested to know that 60% of our students already have bachelor's degrees. 
these aren't like high school kids that are just coming out of high school and being like, yeah, I've got something that I need to do and I've gamed my whole life, so I want to learn how to code. That's because those are the people who can't afford your boot camp. (laughs) No, that's a surprising stat, though. 60% have bachelor's degrees? Yeah. Wow. Nationwide, it's 64%. Well, I'd be interested to know what percentage of those that have bachelor's degrees are getting going through the boot camp and it being a completely, absolutely... 180 degree turn from what their degree was in, right? So if, some, if someone got like a computer science degree and then went through a boot camp, that would surprise me. But I imagine that most of them are like they got a degree, they're either not currently using it, and they uh, and they just want to get into coding, right? Because that's kind of this booming industry, and they see the value there. Or they have a job that uh, their degree is in, and they're just not happy with it, and they just want to kind of do something else. Want right? to switch. Yeah, and you'll see all ends of the spectrum there. We have had a couple of students actually come in from a CS degree. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because they're not being taught coding. They're taught all of the theory and they're taught all of the uh, practical, uh, but they don't have application. Like So when they want to be able to direct somebody in submitting a code repository, they don't necessarily know how to do that because they don't learn that either in the program or it's not fully taught until year four. Which is another interesting thing, because when you look at a college curriculum, on average, how far behind do you think it is in uh, software development? Seven years. 2.5 years. That's still a lot. It is. That's a lot. And and, and the reason being is you've got so many hoops, and you've got so much bureaucracy. And Mm -hmm. even the accreditation process, it's a year-long process. So say, for instance, you create a curriculum that you want to push out to students, Well, you have to have that reviewed, you have to have that accredited, and you have to go through this process that's going to take a year. Well, software development changes every six months or sooner. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we can't keep up at the college level with curriculum, whereas we're already transitioning all of our developers from Angular 1 to Angular 2. So it's built into our curriculum Hmm. because we're seeing those industry changes and we're making them immediately rather than waiting for somebody to be like, oh, maybe they won't notice. Or, you know, we can probably teach this for another year or two. Again, it comes back to the curriculum for us, and we're passionate about it. So we're going to make changes, even if it's painful, even if it's costly, just because long-term it's going to be Mm -hmm. better suited. That's awesome. Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Um, If you, as a listener, are hearing this and find value, we'd ask that you leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, Give us a rating. It really helps out a lot. If you want to reach out and give us some topic suggestions, if you want to be a guest on the show or nominate somebody, you can reach out via email, and that is at inbound at belowthefold.io. Alternatively, we're found on Twitter, and our handle is belowthefold.io. Until next week, we'll see you below the fold.